Hey, listen, we have a great, great uh, privilege. I, I'm uh, going to be in, back in the pulpit next Sunday morning, but my father-in-law is with us today, and uh, it's kind of an annual time that he comes to be with us. But this guy, I'll tell you, has been involved in my life. Well, it started, what, 29 years ago when Linnell was born. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so 29 years ago, he gave birth to a little baby and started praying for her husband, and guess what? Here I am. But beyond that, I was in California, I can't believe it, 35 years ago in the Navy. And I showed up at Moffett Field, and, and I asked somebody for a church to go to. And I described what I was looking for, and they said, well, the base chapel's not for you. And if you've been in the military, you'll understand that. And uh, they said, well, listen, there's this church, this charismatic church, this church is just on fire for God that loves to worship. And I went, and uh, I tell you what, I just fell in love with it and began to go, began to serve the Lord there. And uh, that was 35 years ago. And... My wife showed up a few months after that. She was on a mission trip. I married a missionary. And uh, when she showed up, she begged me to help her in whatever she was doing. No. That's the way I remember it. Well, anyway. But you know what? Not only has he been involved in our lives, my life, but our church. Even from its founding, the church's founding pastor, Pastor Lawrence Kennedy, many, many years ago, he was in relationship with Pastor Kenneth Tracy as well, even prophesied over this property that we're on today that the church would own it. Great story. It had a fence around it. It was called a federal lock. So these bunch of hippies many years ago bought this church property, but guess what? They couldn't use it. But because of the kindness and goodness of the Lord, lo and behold, the fence was moved, and what a great location today, and that was from the word of the Lord. So give him a big hand this morning, Apostle... Kenneth Tracy, and uh, we just welcome him this morning. God bless you. Hallelujah. It is a wonderful joy to be back, Texarkana. And uh, I do not know if you really are aware of how great this church is. I go all over the world. I preach in churches of thousands. I preach in churches of 20. But there is a sense of destiny and purpose here at COTR, Texarkana. And uh, I feel like prophesying. Uh, you know, I like to prophesy something that God has planned and purposed even from the very foundations of the world, but has not yet happened. But God, who does not live in time, who is eternal, there are no tomorrows or yesterdays. He calleth those things which are not in appearance as though they already have happened. God's not waiting for them to happen, but we are. <laughs> and uh, can I tell you, the destiny of this church has never yet been reached. You've never touched. Here, the Spirit of the Lord says, you haven't seen anything yet of what I am going to do in Texarkana and throughout this state and in areas that you've never seen anything watering of the Holy Spirit. Any great harvest from this place is going to go forth the word of the Lord. And there are going to be many campuses and many 
ministries, in houses of prayers and healing and restoration, you are going to be so enlarged and expanded that there will be no end to what I will do. But it will keep growing and growing until the consummation will end in the glorious rapture of the church of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. You believe that? My scripture is found in Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, and verse 22. And when you read this scripture, you find, you know, that it almost as if it's out of place in a community like COTR today. But I travel the world, and everywhere I go, I see this verse. Verse 22, Isaiah 42. For this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil, and none saith restore. And in connection with that verse, let me give you Jeremiah, verse 17 of the 30th chapter. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thine wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. I want you to know that God is a God of restoration. God is a God. Say that with me out loud. God is a God. Now, when I say out loud, I mean move your lips and say it. Unless you're a ventriloquist, I, I got to hear it. God is a God of restoration. And God, the God of restoration, never stops on a negative. No matter what is happening to you personally. Now, we know what's happening in the world. We know the economy is in trouble. We know, we know, we know, we know. But the thing that comes right down that concerns me is my children, my grandchildren, my wife, my life, the church, the people I minister to. And I wish that I could say that it's out there among the unsaved, among the ungodly, among the sinners. But everywhere I go, I'm listening to cries. I've been ripped off. I've lost my job. My house is underwater. There's sickness. There's disease. I have five preacher friends right now that have cancer. Five preacher friends. Some of them pastoring churches of thousands. One of them I have to report to you is COTR, Church of the Crossroads, in, in Oklahoma City. I've got good news. <laughs> Brother Benefile has come through. Cancer, prostrate cancer. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I don't hear you. This is one of your own churches. Hallelujah. He's going to be in our church preaching next Sunday. 
$100,000 cost to shoot that radiation into his prostrate. And he called me and he said, Apostle, see, he said, they say it's 85% cure. I said, my dear brother, God don't do 85%. When God does it, it's 100%. Come on now. I didn't hear you. Not 85%. So God never stops on a negative. God is a God of restoration. And no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad it is, God and you can handle it. (laughs) Somebody said life is tough. Yes, and it's meant to be tough. And if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. And if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. I love this because I've just went through the worst six months of my entire life. And you notice the word through, and I may mention a few of the things. But this is what kept me going. Two years ago at our conference, a black African-American songwriter who I'd never met, never heard of, was sitting on the front seat in church, and I walked in a little bit late, and I was sitting next to him, and unbeknownst to me, because I was out of town, and my nephew, who is now the lead pastor, never told me he was going to have a guest. And it was Morris Chapman, a songwriter, a songwriter who wrote songs. And he sang a song that has become so real to me, so so absolutely a rhema song that I had to sing night after night after night as I was in excruciating pain and torment. My fourth and fifth lumbar went out of whack and Swollen and pains like electricity, electric shots going through my leg and three toes would not bend with excruciating pain. Fire was like somebody was taking a torch to it and I would scream out in pain. And I remembered the song as I lay upon the bed keeping my poor wife up because sleep left me. I could not even sleep. Even Ambien, even sleeping pills would not calm the pain or cause me to fall asleep. And all I could do was cry out to God and pray and sing. And the song that he sang that brought tears to my eyes, it was about restoration. And God quickened this verse because I am one of those who was oppressed, was robbed, that I was snared with this terrible, excruciating, they called it neuropathy, they called it lumbar, unremarkable swelling. They called it three or four different things. Three or four of the greatest doctors in California could not come to an agreement what it is. I knew what it was. It was pain. It hurt. Who cares what it is? I want to know. What it isn't. (laughs) I want rid of it. I don't want it. And the devil seized upon the moment in tormenting me that somehow I had missed God a million miles and that I had failed because I announced here that I'm beginning the healing ministry. That that I began as a young 
teenager casting out devils and healing the sick, where I saw blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, and cancers disappear. I'd gotten away from that to a degree. And now I wanted to return to it because our world is sick and our church is sick and people are sick and there's cancer here in this church and there's diabetes in this church and what we need is a return to the biblical power of the presence of God that will liberate, that will deliver, that will emancipate and will bring restoration and recovery. Let me hear a hallelujah. We need that. Now, God answers the present world crisis that America's in with a supernatural revival of miracles. Get ready, folks. You, you, most of you wasn't privileged to be around for the great revivals of the past. The greatest revivals of the past are never going to even be compared to what is going to happen in the new dispensation of God's grace. We've had the dispensation of the healing revival, the Jesus movement, the latter reign, the teaching ministry, the apostolic and prophetic, but God has got a restoration and a recovery program that's going to hit this planet Earth, going to hit Texas. <laughs> it's going to hit America and the world that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered the heart of man, what God has in store for us. Somebody shout hallelujah. When I say the greatest revival, I'm a revivalist. I've been a part of the Jesus movement. I've been a part of the healing movement. I've been a part of the church growth movement. I've been a part of just about every movement except Azusa Street. I wasn't around. That was 1906. Almost. I'm now 80. I don't look it, except when I look in the mirror. And I asked God when this tormenting thing hit me, Lord, I just want to live to experience the next great move of God. Restore me. Restore me. And screaming voices saying, it's all over for you. You're 80. You know, the average age of people dying now is in their 80s. You're gone. You're finished. <laughs> All you have to do is give in to that and make it a reality. And how do you fight it when voices are screaming in your mind? The medicine you're taking causes hallucinations. And you just see things and hear things as demons scream at you all night long. It is over. You've got to get the word of God. You've got to sing it. You've got to declare it. You've got to prophesy it. You've got to, come on now. You've got to do what we've been singing for nearly, nearly 30 minutes. Oh, God, I cry. To go deeper, I cry for that river to flow. I cry for that restoration move of your spirit. I went the pillow every night with tears kept my wife awake honey pray with me pray with me let's sing let's get out I'm tired of this thing and this is the song that my wife and I sang it's a song of restoration written by Morris Chapman who by the way now 
has the worst stage of cancer. I know God's going to heal him. He wrote the song. He wrote his own deliverance song. And here it is. Restore. 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 Would you raise your hands and say it before I sing it? Restore. 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 The Bible said, none crieth restore. Your pastor has been urging you to pray two minutes or to get involved in a prayer situation to see this thing turn around because God is a God of restoration and He's not going to climax this thing in a negative. I'm going to tell you something. We have the key. We have the ability as a church to turn America's right side up. Come on now. Instead of upside, a right side up. Restore. And it goes like this. Restore. Restore. Restore unto me all that's been robbed, all that's been stolen. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. Put up your hands and try to sing it now. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you all of this and more. Church, I went to church in a walker. I went to church in pain. I threw away the narcotics. The narcotics was worse than the pain. They were making me delusional. They're making me believe airplanes are falling out of the sky. Making me believe that everything is over. You know. <laughs> so I threw it away. And I began to sing restore. And believe that God never stops on a negative. That he had another extension of time for my life and ministry. So that I could come to Texarkana and yell at you. Hallelujah. And tell you to get with the program of God. It's not over. It's not over. You may have lost your job. You may have lost your health. You may have lost your... your, your, your <laughs> Loved one, you may have lost something, but God is a God of restoration. Somebody shout hallelujah. Whatever it is you're going through. And I had to, I had to go through it one more time. And I'll tell you why. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had it any other way now. Because everywhere I go, I was just in Hawaii two weeks ago. 3,000 people at balconies packed. And I said, everyone that needs a restoration, and please don't stand, be truthful. Everyone that needs a restoration in your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your finance, in your health, somebody in your family, stand up. And I was shocked. Every single person in the building stood up. 
And what a wave of God's glory came over that as people begin to be healed and delivered and restored. Come on now. Hallelujah. And it's going to happen here today. It's going to happen here today. And the pastor walked over to me and he said, Apostle C, take the offering. And we were singing a song. And I wasn't in a mood to take the offering. My toes were not quite yet normal. They were still kind of paralyzed. And the song was the kind, and I wanted to dance. And it just like the Lord said, dance. And I thought, I can't dance. Put my weight on that foot and, and, you know, and hop around. And I started dancing. And he said, take the offering. And I said, I'm dancing now. <laughs> Glory to God. So I said, pastor wants me to take the offering and I and, and then something hit my foot and I start running I mean run I ran I ran this old man 80 years old ran around a building 200 feet and somebody was running after me and I thought it was the devil trying to take back my healing and it was the pastor he weighs 350 pounds and that was the end of that that service the people went into the heavenly realm the presence of God was so strong. I said, the offering, there's the Bible, there's the offering container, go give it. And $122,000 budget was met for that conference. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on. God is a God of restoration. You said, but you don't know how difficult it is. But God does. But you don't know my situation. But God does. But why doesn't he do it? Because the word I want to use is crisis. Let me give you about six or seven things, and I want, you to, I want you to write this down. Okay, God never stops on a negative. Say that. Now listen, look at me eyeball to eyeball. When God wanted to use Daniel, he put him in a hostile environment. When God called David, he put him in a hostile environment. When God wanted to build a nation, he put Israel in a hostile environment. When God wanted to promote Joseph, he put him in a hostile environment. When God wanted Paul to preach in Rome, <laughs> he put him in a hostile environment. When God wanted to deliver the Jews from extinction, he put Esther and Mordecai in a hostile environment. Read Hebrews 11.32. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me the tale of Gideon and of Barak and Samson of Jephthah and David and of Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness. <laughs> they were made strong and waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight of the armies of the aliens. Women, receive the dead raised to life again. And others not accepting deliverance. God goes on to say, He has something better for us. Put up your hands and say, Something better. Hey, I just read an outline. Every one of these men came through crisis and obstacles and hostile environment and champion. Victoriously. 
and brought the glory of God to nations. Turn the whole thing around through prayer and intercession, through worship, through connection. In the early service today, because I want you to know I'm going to put a lie to what the devil is saying. That crisis, crisis is bad. Crisis is not bad. Crisis is the way God can get you to move into his direction. To bring you more intimately close to him. When crisis comes to you, don't say, oh, it's all over. No, it's just beginning. It's going to move. Because tough times do not last, but tough people do. And God brings you through crisis to move you to the next level. And Church of the Rock in Texarkana is moving to the next level. Like it or not, devil. Like it or not. Like it or not. Because you are made of better stuff. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You will not succumb to crisis and be overcome and destroyed, but you will be catapulted and propelled into the greatest victories that you've ever seen in your life. The best is yet to come. God never stops on a negative. To Job it was twice as much. To Daniel it was ten times better. To Moses, at 120, his natural forces were not abated. His eyes were not dim. There's hope for a man 80. Just celebrated my birthday last year. Well, I'm still celebrating it. Did I say last year? I think they made a mistake. So I prayed, God, if you could do it for Moses... You could do it. You could do it for me. Yeah, I preached 63 and a half years. I could go to heaven today. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not wanting to go to heaven. I just don't want to go today. I'm not done yet. Hallelujah. Hell won't have me. I'd probably preach a revival down there, but I mean, won't have me. I'm not worried about hell. I am not worried about I can't go to hell. Hell and I have nothing in common. I settled that thing as a four-year-old boy. I gave my heart to Jesus. He saved me, and that thing is settled. Hallelujah. And all the old account is settled. I'm, I'm not worried about hell. But I am deeply concerned about hurting people, about the unsaved, about the lost. And about Christians who are robbed and spoiled and sick and in prison and in holes and in torment. And I want to be God's voice of prophetic hope for restoration. I want to be his hands extended. And God, just let me live. Just let me live. And I will dedicate my life even more fully and completely to your purposes and not use the ministry for my gain or for my promotion or for my honor, but to build the kingdom of God and help get others excited, planting churches. I, I was just with Steve Merle. We supported Steve Merle for 20 years. When I went to the Philippines, Steve Merle had 30 people in the basement 
of a nightclub, 30 people. And I preach like I'm preaching now about enlargement and expansion and increase and how God never stops on a negative and he always restores more. And I began to preach him. I met with him two weeks ago in Hawaii. We spent two full days. And as Pastor John said, the influence that I've been in his life, Steve Merle was a southern boy, very, very, very soft-spoken, not loud, not very uh, charismatic, but he just needed a little push. And I began to talk to him and prophesy to him. And those 30 people today, true story, I was just with him. His church in the Philippines has 80,000 members. Somebody shout hallelujah. Your, your offerings, part of your offerings that you gave the missions, John, and Nell, that went to Steve Merle. We supported him for 20 years. He don't need our support anymore. <laughs> we, I'm going to dedicate. I dedicated a $21 million six-story building with escalators going up to the auditorium. Now I just laid hands upon, and I have the picture in my briefcase, the hands upon another $22 million building which only will house just a few percentage points of the 80,000 people. They now meet in 29 different buildings. Come on, somebody shout out. From, and I remember 8th Street. Some of you don't know even know where 8th Street is, but I remember the church here on 8th Street. I remember telling Lawrence Kennedy, what are you doing in this ugly building? <laughs> Let's move out. And we Raised the first dollar to buy this property. In fact, it was two or three hundred thousand dollars out of a couple hundred people. But you want to know something? We ain't seen nothing yet of what God's going to do. And so, 80,000 people. I said, Where do you go from here, Steve? Where do you go from here? He said, There's hundreds of churches now because I preach a graduation of of 1,120 students that just had finished a two-year course, kind of like what you're being taught here, for two years on discipleship and church planning. Now we have churches in Dubai, in Iran. We have it in Saudi Arabia. We have churches in Saudi Arabia. We have them in all the Muslim areas. Because, see, Filipinos are welcome where Americans aren't. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? And they go there with a servant spirit. And the Saudis hire them. And and they hire them in the Muslim countries as servants. And they sneak Jesus in. Hallelujah. Come on. You talk. But God has undercover agents right here in Texarkana. Glory to God. I'm going to encourage you to start believing God for big things in your life. It's not over. It's not over. I shared this morning. Last Sunday, walking down the aisle, was a couple that had been divorced. He was a multimillionaire. They lived in the country club in a house worth millions. They lost everything. They got a divorce. It was all over. He got into alcohol. He divorced his wife. She's penniless. He's out of jail now. Back to God. Back to being going to church. And they're going to be remarried. Come on, hallelujah. See, God is a God of restoration. But crisis is what drove them to get out of there 
complacency and indifference. America had Katrina. America had 9-11. America's had the worst floods, worst fires, worst tornadoes, worst devastation. When is the... When are we going to wake up that we can stop the nonsense and get into God's face and begin to cry aloud and spare not and lift up our voice like a trumpet and we can see America turn around and we can see a revival? Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. We can see it, folks. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't roll over. Don't let the devil push you down and push you around. Rise up. And you know what I did? My wife will tell you. I was so tormented and so vexed. And I wasn't getting through. And then I remembered, I have authority and power. I can command this demon to leave. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. My wife sleeps with all the windows open. I sleep under a blanket. She sleeps under a sheet and never under the sheet. (laughs) And I just couldn't take it. I said, I'm going to do what the Bible said. Men, listen to me. There's nothing like men crying. You know what the church is missing? Men crying out to God. And I said, I'm going to cry out to God. And suddenly a spirit of cry came on me. And then I yelled. And I addressed the devil. And I said, get hell out of my house. Out of my house. This is not your house. This is my house. This is God's house. And I know the neighbors were calling the police, but I didn't care. Something broke in that moment at 3 o'clock in the morning, and God's presence filled that house, and we began to speak in tongues and begin to sing in the Spirit. And God, we, come on, come on, hallelujah, give the Lord a hand. Listen, you don't have to roll over and take it anymore. Sister, come here, come here. I want to just tell you something. You're standing now, right now at a very spot in your life when you've got to have miracles beyond what you need for yourself, for people, loved ones, and friends that you've been standing in the gap for. I'm going to tell you right now, you take the authority and the dominion and you declare out of here, out of their lives, out of the out of their bodies, out of their finance, out of their marriages, out of their homes, out of their children, out of their grandchildren. Come on, raise your hands. Powerful anointing here. There's a powerful anointing. Every single person in here, listen to me, that needs God to restore somebody in your family or in your body. There's five people here in this church right now, that have an incurable disease that God wants to heal. Hear this. You don't have to put up with it. You don't have to say, whatever will be, will be. If God wants to heal me, he will. He wants to. What about you? If you want to be restored, if you want healing, if you want health, if you want something to happen, stand up right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand up. Be bold. Be audacious. You may be standing for somebody by proxy. It may be your father. It may be a brother. It may be an aunt or uncle. It may be a child or a grandchild. Somebody has somebody in prison. Somebody here has someone who is a drug addict. Somebody. Oh, my God. The impossible. See, Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus Jesus 
knows what you're going through. He knows the agony. He knows the torment. He knows the grief. He knows the dichotomy. You say, I'm a Christian. Why am I suffering? I'm a Christian. Why is this happening? It's happening not because of punishment, not because God's mad at you, but God wants to show his power and grace. And all you have to do now is just believe and trust him that he has the power, the ability, and the willingness <laughs> to change the situation. Put up your hands as high as you can reach, as high as you can reach. If it's John or Mary or Dolores or, or Mathilda or Henry, whatever the name is, that person or persons, that marriage, that home, that family, that life, that, that obstacle, that job that you have to have, that financial crisis that you have. God, you see these hands lifted up? There are thousands of prayer requests right now. Thousands of prayer requests. Family members, situations. Somebody needs a job. Somebody needs a home. Somebody needs a car. Somebody needs college money. Somebody needs a, a, an answer to prayer for wisdom and guidance and direction. Somebody needs a retouch of, re, of refiring, an anointing. Their, their, their spirit is down. Their emotions have been drained. They are fearful and worried and weary and tired and in holes and, and in prisons. Father, I'm asking you right now. Are you ready to touch God? Are you ready, church? Are you ready? God is there. He's not on the platform only. He's there. He's right there in the audience. He's right there. He sees your hands. Now say it out loud. Restore. Say it again. Restore. 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 Everyone that has cancer here, everyone that has cancer here, I want to give you a word. That sounds like a big order. That sounds like our associate pastor, and John and Nell knows them. He had four-stage cancer. Four-stage. He refused to go anymore to the doctor. He said, I'm going to trust God. Now I'm four doctors. I've been the doctors. And doctors do everything they can and thank God for them. But they do what they can. And God do does what they can. Hallelujah. Brad Easter, one of our great, wonderful men, man and his wife of deliverance and healing. They're in charge of healing and ministry. They're complete, he's completely cancer-free. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. We have a woman that had cancer eaten up at Gateway. And you know what? She went, her desire before she died, she, she kind of had her list. What is that list called? The bucket list. And she wanted to fly in a jet airplane before she died. And because she had contacts and somebody that was in the service and flew a jet she was able to get into a jet plane just before she died, she thought. And she got her wish. The thing is, Dottie is not dead. Dottie is healed. Come on. Somebody shout. We don't give up just because the doctor says it's over. <laughs> make out your will. It's all over. It's okay to make out your will. 
but ask God for an extension. Hezekiah did it. Prophet said, you're going to die. Set your house in order. And he said, God, I don't want to die. And God said, okay, I'll give you an extension. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you, you want to die, then you can't serve. You can't get your, the rest of your ministry. You don't want to die. You want to live? Tell God, restore our life. Restore. Restore life. Restore hope. Restore confidence. Restore. Crisis is to push you closer to God. Closer and more intimate relationship. This sickness is not unto death. Thus saith the Lord. This sickness is not unto death. But that the glory of God may be demonstrated and manifested. I'm standing here right now. Look at this. When, when the pediatrist, the physiatrist said to me, walk on my tiptoes just before God healed me, I said, you're crazy. I can't walk. And he said, try. And I tried to walk and I started falling. Then the, then the chiropractor got me on the table and he started working on me. And he said, turn over. I line up before God. This happened. I turned over and fell off of the table, hit the ground. He scared to death. He said, get on the table. He worked on some more. And he said, now turn over on your left side. I turned over on my left side and fell off the table. They did the best they could. When I went back to the doctor, after God touched me, I walked on my tiptoes. Somebody shout hallelujah. Pain is completely gone. All right, put your hands back up now, Father. I'm asking for six people here that have tumors and cancers to be healed. I'm asking God for that one that has respiratory problems, hard to breathe. Their lungs and, and their, their respiratory system healed by the power of God. I'm asking for arthritis with its pain in the fingers and in the joints. I'm asking, Father, for the healing power of Jesus to flow through right now, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, everybody listen to me. I, I just feel a household salvation prayer coming. I want you to raise hands as high as you can and call the names of the people you want to see God save in your family. Name, whatever their name is right now. Household salvation by the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. By the Holy Spirit will bring... Uh, uh, a real sense of their need of God that they'll stop by dreams, by unction. And the Holy Spirit will quicken the spirit of repentance and they will be, they will be convicted to serve God and to repent and turn around. Right now, save, 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 save. Come on, call it out, everybody. Call their name out. Heaven is listening. God's ear. God's ear. You're in a hostile environment. And that's good because God knows He can trust you. And God knows He can use you in a hostile environment. That isn't going to do you in. That's going to bring you closer to Him. And you're going to be stronger. Your faith is going to be more dynamic. Your testimony is going to be sharper. So listen to me. Listen to me. Prior to coming here about four weeks ago, my water heater, my water heater was leaking. Called the plumber, the plumber came and thought he fixed it. Then I'm in Hawaii and I get a call from my secretary. The water heater is broken and they got to replace it. 
And uh, I said, well, go ahead and take care of it. And, you know, you've got the, you know, the, the company, that American Home Shield, and they'll take care of it. She called, and they came over. And when they got, they said it's going to cost $880. I said, let them get it done. I don't want my house flooded. And no matter what it costs, we're going to get it done. And it was fixed. Last Sunday, here come the man, the plumber, unknown to our church, never heard of Gateway. And they wanted to meet the man whom they put, and they said, we found a home. This is our church home from here on. It took a water heater breaking. Come on, somebody shout help. <laughs> yes, it's okay. So then the, the wind about seven years ago blew the shingles off of my roof, and I, I had to fix it. But now I'm getting ready for the rains to start. I wanted to make sure, so I called the roofer to come. And he got on the roof 30 minutes, inspected, and there was several thousand dollars worth of damage. And he wanted, you want a new roof? It'll cost you 20000 Not now. I said, fix it. So he came down, he wrote up, and he said, you know, I'm facing bankruptcy. He said, I maxed out on my credit card, $38,000. I just got a notice from my landlord that the rent is raised. I'm a contractor. And I only made $17,000 last year. And I said, forget about my roof. Honey, come here. Let's pray for this man. Forget about the roof. This isn't about the roof. Here's a man. And I prayed, and he began to ball, put his head on my shoulder, and hugged me. And I said, this is why my roof needed help. You need help. Come on. Opportunities opportunities galore a man came to church last Sunday because my water heater listen God never stops on a negative everything that happens happens for a purpose and God will get glory out of it come on hallelujah God will get glory out of it so I'm seeing that I don't know what tomorrow will bring but I know one thing God will never leave you Never forsake you. Now hold hands, everybody. Hold hands. Hold hands. See the hand you're holding? Just say to them, I'm going to agree with you for the greatest restoration that you've ever experienced. Say, say that right now. I'm going to agree with you for the greatest restoration. There's power in agreement. I'm going to agree with you. Now these five people or six people with cancer or tumors are being healed. You're holding hands with somebody that's in agreement with you for total and complete restoration. Total and complete recovery. Total and complete. Jobs are going to be released. Finances are going to be released. Houses and transportation are going to be released. College education is coming. Direction is coming to the youth of this crowd. Listen to me. Young people, this is the greatest moment in the history of your life. <laughs> a whole generation in Church of the Rock is going to rise up with the power of God and the gospel. You're going to invade the campuses. You're going to invade the schools. You're going to invade the pizza huts. You're going to, you're going to invade the places in the mall. You're going, to, you're going to be God's anointed messengers of hope and deliverance. You're going to be the change, the change people 
bring about a change. What are we older people going to do? We're going to back the young people. We're going to cover them with prayer. We're going to encourage them. We're going to have them over to our house. We're going to help them. We're going to impart wisdom. I'm not laying over for the young generation that God's raising up. I'm not saying, you're going to do it. No. I'm Joshua. I'm Caleb. I'm going in with you. Hallelujah. God is raising up intercessors in this church. You know that there are 40 people that have asked if they could become my personal intercessors. And right now they're praying for me. They know I'm in Texarkana at COTR. They know I'm with John and Nell. They know that and they're praying for me. And anytime I have an emergency, they say, we want to fast. We want to call upon God. Now listen, listen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed prayer. He said to Peter, James, and John, come with me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. I need some prayer. If Jesus Christ depended upon the prayers of his disciple and took three away from all the crowd, and he said, watch with me and pray. They came back and he said, I need prayer. Certainly. It's good to have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, family members that will take you to God. I'm, I'm sorry to say Peter, James, and John fell. I'm sorry. And I think that that's what, why I'm here yelling at you, because God wants to wake you up. Pray like you've never prayed before. Pray. That's the key that will bring total restoration. And if Jesus needed it. So you know what happened, John? And I think Linnell was a part of the church, Calvary Gospel. I don't think you were. But we were having prayer meeting. By the way, our prayer chapel was packed at 6 o'clock Saturday morning. And that is not a good hour for people to be praying. But they did every Saturday. And a man walks in, tall guy. And he said, can I say a word? I didn't know him. Never heard of him. And I thought, no, I don't. And then I thought, what do you want to say? He said, God told me to get up and come. I got a word. And I said, what's the word? He said, church, the most important thing that you can do right now is pray for your pastor and make it a matter of prayer every day. You pray for your pastor. And as he goes, so will the church go. As he's anointed, so will the church be anointed. I want you to pledge right now as you hold hands and pray for one another that you also include Linnell and John and all the pastoral team and all the the healing teams and all of the workers and all the cell group leaders and the youth pastors and all of the college pastors and everyone in this church. Pray, 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 pray. Because we're at a tipping point right now at, at COTR, at a tipping point. Something is about to happen. Something is about to break. Hallelujah. Just one more prayer. Just one more intercessor. One more going to push this thing over the top come on now father we're in agreement for everyone that's sick everyone that's troubled everyone that's fearful everyone that's lost a loved one everyone that's lost a job everyone that's lost income everyone that's lost the dynamic sense of your presence they can't lose you but they've lost the dynamic sense of your presence they've been wearied and worried and as Isaiah said, ensnared and 
hold in caves and in prison. Father, I'm asking for a release. Cancer, arthritis, high blood pressure, respiratory problems, headaches, chronic insomnia. I know what insomnia is. I know I average for two months less than three hours a night. I know what it is now. Last night I slept for seven and a half hours. First seven and a half hours I've had in months. God is restoring. God is restoring you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Who said woo? Come here, brother. You're a noisy man. You're going to be right at home in heaven. You know what's happening in heaven right now? The cherubims and the seraphims and the four and twenty elders and the living creatures are screaming, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All heaven is filled with His glory. And it's like the sound of many waters. Let's hear a shout, everybody, right now. Oh, barata. You've been called weird. You've been called a fanatic. You've been called a holy roller. You've been called an emotional imbecile. <laughs> but I call you my child. I call you an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah! Come on, everybody. Glory to God. Take it, John, or I'll be here another hour. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Praise the Lord. What, did you get something out of this today? Yes. Praise the Lord. Hostile environment. I just don't think God is done yet. He We're going to dismiss you in just a second. But if, you're, if there's a crisis in your life, now listen, everybody's got prayers. But if there's a crisis, a life-changing crisis... We're going to have our prayer team come up in just a second. And before you go home, I want you to come and let somebody lay hands on you. I ask Pastor C to come as well. We want to anoint you with oil. Because here's what happens in crisis. Oftentimes, we just get used to living with it. And we think the boundaries are going to be permanent. But today has awakened faith in your heart. And if you want to take it a step further, we'd be delighted to do that. On your way out, make sure if you hadn't registered to vote, register today. But the way we, do, way we treat guest speakers, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 16 that those that preach the gospel live from the gospel, which is simply a way of saying the church supports its ministry. And if you'd like to join me in that personal support on your way out, there'll be an usher by the back door. Uh, I'll have my Bible on the pulpit, and uh, uh, you can just do that, and we'll give a love offering to our guests today. He fell away from God. He wants to come home. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our prayer team is going to come up right now. Give me one more song. And if you need any kind of prayer, stay with us for this one last song, and then you can be dismissed. But you need prayer, you need personal ministry, you come on up, and someone will stand with you here.